welcome to the Metal Bob Live podcast. I'm your host, Metal Bob. Today's show was brought to you by Legend Picks and also artist Jeremiah Kallick. You can find links to our sponsors and more at the Metal Bob Live website. There you can also find links to the latest Metal Bob gear, including shirts, hoodies, and more. On today's show, I had the honor of speaking with frontman Jason McMaster. We discuss broken teeth, igniter, and we talk all things dangerous toys. So sit back, have a listen, and enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, Jason. Good morning. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm just trying to not step in it. How about you? I like that. I'm not trying to step in it either, brother. I like that. Yeah, just moving forward, not backward. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. What uh what do you uh what do you need deep in right now? Well, I'm knee I'm knee deep in a Jason McMaster interview, brother. I was looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh that makes two of us. Thank you so much for your time tonight. I really appreciate it. Oh, oh man, of course. You know, I got a little uh, I got a little story about you later, but I'll tell that later on in the program. But I just would like to thank you for your time. And I'd also like you to, before we get into the dangerous toy stuff, I'd like to t- you to tell everybody a little bit about Igniter. Okay. Well, let, let's let's cover all of it. Not not just Igniter, because there's a shit ton. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Igniter has a new record coming out on Halloween. I don't know if it's if if it's proper for me to tell you. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to get it on Halloween because of the state of the world right now. But uh, <laughs> it is officially being released on Halloween. Uh, it's called the Golden Age of Black Magic. It uh, is for people who don't know me, other than what I'm most known for which is being a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the band Igniter has been around for a long time. Um, there uh, are two records that don't have me on it. Uh, Erica is a fantastic vocalist and a friend of mine. And uh, she moved on after the first two Igniter records, and a couple of those guys weren't in another project with me. And, we were over there working on something, and I said, how's the Igniter, uh, you know, singer auditions going? And uh, not really giving any any hints at, at all, uh, honestly. And uh, they just started laughing, you know. Um, and I said, oh, that's not good. Um, but I... Um, I... Uh, Decided that I, I, you know, I said, uh, you know, I'm already over here. Uh, let me, you know, let me help you with the record. You know, if you guys have new material, I hate to see you guys in such limbo because I was a fan, you know. And uh, and they said that'd be awesome. So we started uh, collaborating a little bit, and well, long story short, I just stayed. I just, I just, I fell in love with the with the the stuff that Stuart was writing, the guitar player, the kind of mastermind behind it all, and uh, 
and uh, I stayed. And I've been here 10 years plus or something. I don't know who's counting. Right. So, uh, the, you know, so I'm on about six or six albums with those guys now. And uh, this new one is on a, um, an Italian label called Metal on Metal Records. And they're, I think they're fairly new, but, you know, they do all of the European um, metal festivals, Keep It True and uh, Bang Your Head and all that. And they were, I think that they were more or less are like a vendor. They sell vinyl and shirts and belt buckles and, and albums and things like that, but they uh, had probably released some of their friends' records and they just turned it into a label. So we're kind of excited to be, you know, brand new with someone who's brand new. Um, and it's all kind of kind of tingly feeling. But the record is, uh, it's classic heavy metal. You know, it's, uh, it's dark. And as you can tell by the title, um, it's a little bit... Um, retro, you know, and throwback to uh, Merciful Fate and Dio and, um, you know, some early 80s thrash metal. And, of course, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and it's leather and studs and fire and rituals and black magic, you know. Um, It is a lot of fun. And, um, if you like any of that, any of those kinds of things, you know, some of it even sounds like old scorpions and rainbow, you know, it's old school metal. Um, so if you like that kind of thing, um, check it out. Igniter, the golden age of black magic. There's a video on YouTube right now. You just got to look it up. Golden age of black magic. It's hard to miss. Right on, man. Thank you for yeah. that. So yeah, I quick question though. So Will there ever be a new Dangerous Toys record? That is one of my huge questions. Well, we're, we're you know, we started writing after years and years and years of me uh, saying, you know, why? Why make a new Dangerous Toys record? I really think that, you know, for the most part, there's 90% of, a, of a, an aging demographic that really just wants to hear the first album. Uh, and even more specific, teasing, pleasing, and scared, and sporting a Woody, and they want to hear it so they can relieve the babysitter, you know, um, <laughs> because you know that's what I would want to do. You know, I, I really like the early slot. You know, uh, when you do clubs, you know, um, you know, and that's just an age thing. You know, I'm not 19 anymore, and um, you know, it's 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 interesting because I've always been a heavy metal fan and a hard rock fan, and and uh, you know, it's interesting just becoming the the gentleman instead of the snot nosed kid, and trying to write lyrics, you know, as a as an elder gent about your you know about your dick and the devil <laughs> yeah, uh, is kind of is kind of you know you're not a snot nosed kid anymore. You can you can get away with that when you're a punk, but it's a little different when, uh, you're a little bit more responsible, but, but it's fun, you know? And, um, so that's important. So answer to really answer your question, uh, it's been a couple of years ago now that, um, maybe it was kind of a little hint of a midlife crisis or something, but, 
I felt like, well, shit, the toys aren't going to get asked to go on those cruises anymore. We're not going to get asked to play those festivals anymore if we don't put something out, right? So it was a business reason at first, and then I thought, well, you know, that, that 5% or whatever of fans, they'll they'll buy it, you know. You know, they'll they'll think about buying it or they'll buy it. Wow, dangerous toys! Wow, that those dudes are still alive. You know, that's that's kind of my mentality uh, of it as well. But I will say this: me and Scott have started to. You know, anyway, two two years ago we decided to start. To, okay, let's we're going to do it, and we all put our brains together, and there wasn't a whole lot of uh, energy, um, and the idea of writing. You know, basically, because I feel like my uh, hypothesis there a little a second ago was uh, is is kind of correct. It's hard to just write this cock rock boogie woogie heavy rocks song that you know that has a dark theme or you know some inappropriate you know idea behind it when you're you know pushing sixty. You know, so shouldn't we be writing? country songs like everybody else right now, you know, um, and actually I, I am, I have started to write country songs. So all hell is broken loose and frozen over. So, um, but me and Scott recently, uh, opened up that can of worms, um, again, because, you know, COVID hit and all that and really slowed things down. And some other things happened prior to that that I won't get into that were personal to members of the band that really slowed things down. And um, so, but me and Scott, even just over the past even three weeks, we, we started warming up some of the of the newer songs and uh, we're excited about it again. So who knows, man? Uh, but there is new material. You just don't have it. Well, I'm really hoping you put it out, man. And here, can I give you my take on the whole thing, dude? You know, I respect, sure. I respect, you know, whatever well, you guys got going on yeah. and this and that. And I respect the country thing because country, there's nothing wrong with putting out country material, but Dangerous Toys should have been up there with bands like Rat and Motley Crue. And before you stop me, it's going to give you my reason, dude. That first record, Hellacious Acres. That stuff was great. It was huge. It was hard. It was heavy. I never seen you guys as hair metal. I seen you guys as heavy metal. I mean, that that, that first record's pretty hard. Do, do you agree? It 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 is different than Warrant. Yeah, it is. It di- is, is different. It is different than Faster Pussycat. It is different than L.A. Guns. But see, I even look at L.A. Guns. Um, as kind of a metal band. Sure, they had their songs that were in the same sort of color and light as some of the Toys things. And I think the Toys and L.A. Guns are actually a pretty damn good fit um, because L.A. Guns is not really like Rat and they're not really like Cinderella. And they're right. not, you know. Um, I even think Cinderella is like their name. I, I, I think it, it, as much as, you know, that's a classic name because it's a, you know, it's actually makes you think about something and it makes you think about the story of Cinderella. So 
it's kind of a rock and roll story because she was kind of a peasant. She went to the ball and magic and da 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 and all this shit. She got to. It's kind of a, you know, it's a great story. Absolutely. Um, but but the name does not fit that band. Right. And the look of the band on that front cover, Jesus, what what hit what hit those? Guys? You know, <laughs> exactly. because when you hear the song. Dude, the song, Night Songs, that's fucking metal. Absolutely it is. That's so crushing. Yeah. It's so heavy. And and I it's appre- like, and I appreciate you saying that because I that that's what brings me to what I wanted to tell you was LA Guns is like my all time favorite. Cool. And my very first concert when I was fifteen years old. And I had a conversation with Andy Quarter not too long ago, a few weeks ago. We talked about Dangerous Toys, Tor Tor, L.A. Guns on the Cock and Loaded Tour. Summer 89. Actually, fall of 89. Absolutely. Dude, that was one of the fucking coolest shit that I'd ever seen. Yeah, that was like 31 years ago next month. It was, brother. (laughs) Makes me feel young again, and I appreciate that, man. I'll tell you right now, that was one of the... To this day, and I've seen thousands of shows since then, and that was... And it was my very first show. I was 15 years old, but that was one of the greatest rock shows I'd ever seen. Tour, tour, Dangerous Toys, L.A. Guns. That was a rock show, brother. What, What venue? Adler Theater, Davenport, Iowa. Yeah. Wow. Man, those those were good times. Man, brother, you guys... <laughs> and I also got to see you open for Judas Priest on Hellacious Acres, too. What venue? Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Five Seasons Center. Oh, yeah. Alice, uh, I think it was Alice Cooper, Dangerous Toys, and Judas Priest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Motorhead and uh, Metal Church... Uh... They couldn't afford all five bands. The ticket sales were a little loose, I think. Um, and they, or they just couldn't accommodate or something. And, uh, I think Motorhead and, uh, Metal Church did a couple of one-offs, uh, on their own. And then they re- they joined us a couple of days later or something. Right on. Yeah, I remember that uh, gig. There was a friend of mine from Minnesota drove over to see that one. And that was in like a little arena thing, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was a couple thousand people, yeah. I think. The the Adler yeah. Theater gig was, yes. Yeah. But yeah, I had talked to Anthony about that, man. He told me he, that was one of the funnest tours he'd ever been on, man. He he spoke very highly of you, man. He, you know, we had a we had a really good conversation about that tour. Well, he's a he's a very special person, and uh, all you got to do is have a sit down with him one time, and you realize he's he's all about the freedom and art, and uh, he's kind of like a a redneck hippie kind of a vibe, right, you know. Right. And he's he's so, he's so sweet, um, and he was he was like twenty years old or something something when he was on that tour yeah, that band was so, very young back then yeah we were all we were all pretty damn young i think i was 22 23 maybe but you know he was that was pretty cool that they got to do that at such a young age and get a deal and hit the road and move some records you know it's pretty awesome absolutely I, I call it the class of 89 you know there was quite a few of us that that was a great year uh, brother that was a great year 
Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, and I'm not just, you know, just, you know, rubbing your back, brother. I'm telling you that them Dangerous Toys records, they still hold up. I was listening to, yeah, what? I was listening to self title the day at work, man, and my boss, he rolled over and goes, "What are you listening to?" I said, "This is Dangerous Toys, man." And he's just back there. He's like, this sounds really good. I said, brother, oh, awesome. look them up, man. Awesome. Well, uh, what about the records after those two records? Oh, man, I love Hellacious Acres, Pissed, artists formerly known as. They're all great, yeah. brother. They're all great. Yeah, I, th- I think that the, the fan favorite here, um, if, the, if, you can, if you can get past the mountain that is the first record, because I, I understand how that works. Um, Pissed is the one that people go to immediately. That's a great record. They, 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 they like Hellacious Acres or they love Hellacious Acres, but they still will pick Pissed over those records. And I'm not saying everyone does that, but there are a, there is a quite a, a portion of our demographic that goes right to the, that Piss record. And, um, you know, it might be a thing where, uh, that should have been our second record or, you know, some of that record could have, uh, possibly been on Hellacious Acres. Right. If we would have just waited a little while longer because I feel like Hellacious Acres, about half the record is and the other half is like not quite got enough salt and pepper on it. Okay, but I, I but t- you know that's coming from a different. Let's see. That's that's I'm I'm biased, right? Because that, you're you're not you're you know you didn't live with the material, and you know you weren't there when it was being made, and you know the attitude that you have about all of the things that the ingredients that I just mentioned does have something to do with, you know, how you feel about it later when it, when it comes out. And it's, you know, honestly, some of it just feels a little half cooked. I I get you, man. I I understand. You know, you were writing the material, you guys were, you know, recording the material, but man, I tell you, don't, don't sell hellacious acre short, man, because good Lord, man, when you, you got, when you did that, that see, shit is killer, see, that's, dude. That's that's one that's that's one of the songs on there that that is uh, is strong, and uh, you know, best of friends. Best and, of friends uh, is a great song. We got I got a lot of friends that we, you know, that that means a lot to us too. So yeah, well, that's that's awesome. Now listen, uh, give me no lip was like written. You know, that could have been on the first album. That's how old Gimme No Lip is. Okay. It was a it was, it was officially written after we had already recorded the first uh Toys record, but it was in the same breath as all of the, you know, that shit that was going on. It was it fits the timeline. It just uh was you could, it's just safe to say that that record, you know, if if we if something would have held up you know, the recording of the first record, even though Lib may have replaced something like that dog, you know, it may have, 
but see, we already had Sport and Winnie and Give Me No Lip and Sport and Winnie kind of have the same uh, boogie, you know? Absolutely. Shuffle, shuffle groove, you know? So maybe having two of those on the first record may have been, uh, who, fuck it, I don't, who cares? Right. But anyway, uh, Give Me No Lip, yeah. Uh, Best of Friends, line them up. Um, Sugar, Leather, and the Nail. Uh, Angel and You. <sighs> Uh, maybe Gunfighter. Oh. Cool. Uh, 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 but dude, after that, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of losing you. You know what I mean? Like the songs I just mentioned from Hellacious, the, right. the other, the other, you know, the redheaded stepchildren, you know, the B songs instead of the A songs. I don't know what to tell you. Right. I think that I think that they're just they came off a little weird. Wow. But that's okay, man. You know, you, we were young and green and still figuring it out, and you know, we were no one. No one teaches you how to write songs. You right. just write a bunch of shitty ones until they're not all shitty. Well, I'll tell you. I'll be honest with you, man. I don't. I don't have a problem listening to that oh. album from beginning to end. I, I think it's all good stuff. But uh. Nice. I will say this, though, the first album, and I know that you get a lot of this, but you go back to the first album, you release Teasing, Pleasing, Scared. Those were your those were your releases. Mm-hmm. But Jesus Christ, honestly, man, I mean, you could have released Queen of the Nile. You could have released yeah. Outlaw. These were some yeah. killer fucking songs. Killer. Yeah. I mean, that whole album really from beginning to end just hits hard. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. A lot of it was just uh, make sure we let everyone know that we have a bad attitude, and they'll like the music. Well, I knew that the first time I seen you it. play. I'm like, these guys are, yeah, they're the real deal. Yeah. And what better yeah. tour to be on with Tor Torn, L.A. Guns, two other bands that were not hair bands. You guys were rock and roll bands. Yeah, I, I I hear you loud and clear. It's awesome to to uh, to hear you say that. Um, and I and I don't know who coined the phrase hair metal, but you I know what? Either, but I don't okay. like it. That, that, no, I think that it's um, you know, you don't call ACDC hair metal. No. So I don't know, man. I just think that a lot of the sort of glam rock bands that were really pushing the envelope on the hair and the makeup and the clothes and all that stuff. I think that there's I think that there's there's a place for that because Absolutely. that kind of goes along with yeah man there's you know it's fine you know it's yeah let's piss, let's piss off our parents and dress up in panties and shit you know <laughs> yeah and I'm not taking nothing away from some of those bands they were great man they were good songwriters mm-hmm. you know we talked about Dude, you said Warren you, earlier Janie Lane was a great songwriter yeah. man but, oh man amazing musician and it's and, like uh, but. Hair metal, dude. Dangerous Toys wasn't hair metal. L.A. Guns wasn't hair metal. Tor Toro was not hair metal. No, not hair metal. Twisted Sister, not hair metal. Tons of bands, not hair metal. Absolutely, man. Yeah. We've we've established that. What what have we got? What else you got? Buddy, I got whatever you want to talk about, man. I'd love to know. We we know we got... So what... What brought on Broken Teeth, man? I know that was shortly after Dangerous Toys. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the first Broken Teeth came out in 99. Uh, we are 21 years old. 
Uh, we've got about nine records out. Um, and people still call it Jason's new band. Mm-mm. Um, but that's unfortunate that they see it in the shadow of, of other things. Uh, but it's not their fault, but I know people who, uh, there's a loyal following still fairly underground. Um, we're okay with that. Uh, we did a whole lot of touring, uh, in the early to, you know, mid two thousands. And, um, then, you know, the, the price of fuel skyrocketed to, you know, diesel was like $5 a gallon or something. And right. man, that hurt just hurt. And cause we were self-financed, you know, we were trying to keep money in the bank and not spend it on just getting to the fucking gig, you know, cause we weren't really making a lot of money and it wasn't about that really. So, right, right. uh, uh, you know, writing writing uh, a great rock and roll song and continuing to do that when music was kind of rock music was a little bit confused sounding, in my opinion, um, in the mid to late nineties. Um, I heard some rock bands that were not really throwback, but they were just good, strong, loud dirty rock and roll. I think it was, you know, like I could say Buck Cherry. Let's say Buck Cherry, right? Right, right. So they break out and it's mid to late 90s or whatever it was. I don't recall it. That's not important. And I was like, well, well, that's done correctly. You know, if I had to be the, the professor of rock or for a second, I was like, well, that's done correctly. Um, but I also w- didn't want to see another, you know, heavy set dude with eyeliner on trying to play rock and roll and specifically calling himself, you know, hair metal. And I just started calling it eyeliner rock. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this, it's, 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 shouldn't be about hair and eyeliner and, and it shouldn't be this and I got uh, not angry but I, I, it made me want to write some songs that were true to what uh, you know Twisted Sister and ACDC and Motorhead and old Judas Priest and things like that were were more about and it was more about the song and the song being sung into your soul and not that it was a uh you know, not hot topic rock and roll. Absolutely. If if you know what that means. Right. It should be more yeah. about the song. It should be more about the music, the musicianship. They're, they're... Yeah, I don't I don't know so much about the musicianship. I'm talking three chords, right. just really, really bluesy and very simple. And you know, the singer is, you know, talking to you about how your mom was afraid you were going to go out and get laid. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I guess what I was trying to say, I guess what I was trying to say was though, I mean, seriously, I mean, let's cut the shit though. I mean, there was the the musicianship in the eighties was amazing. 
you guys were it was a lot it's you know the the the, the musicianship from the 80s is it's in the 90s and the 2000s and they're they're still here they're they are still um, here but i mean it dude i mean yeah. i feel like that whole look and the long hair and all that shit got overshadowed by a lot of that stuff that i mean the musicianship got overshadowed by a lot of that stuff you're you're not you're not wrong but, you're not wrong i mean as a fan, I seen I seen what I seen. I seen the music. I seen the lyrics. I seen the the vocals. I seen the harmonies. I didn't see the long hair and the makeup. I didn't see none of that. I seen musicianship. That's what I seen. Well, that's awful nice of you, but you know, if you come out looking like you just got off of work, uh, you know, usually the show's not very good. And I think that that's where a lot of the uh, the newer music when it was new and the nineties was coming from, I think that you saw a lot of clean cut people and it went back to, uh, I mean, ACDC never really had like a uniform or anything other than Angus and Angus is like a front man, even though he's the guitar player, he's like a front man. You know, I think when you think of Van Halen, you think of Eddie, but there's a front man in the band too, you know? Uh, so I think ACDC had that. I think, uh, Van Halen had that, but, you know, there was also a little bit of clothes and hair going on with Van Halen. Um, in ACDC, they had the songs and no one never, no one sounded like that, you know? Um, I like hearing, you know, the bands ACDC was actually opening for, in the seventies talk about ACDC. Like I've heard Gene Simmons talk about them. I've heard Van Halen talk about them. It's like, dude, no one sounded like that. They were like this blues band. You know, the, the closest thing to ACDC as far as for the formula they're using is motorhead. Okay. We're just going to play blues, but it's going to be really nasty and it's going to be really loud. And some of it's going to be really fast, but it's just, we're just playing the blues. Right. And that's what I wanted to do with Broken Teeth. And I think I succeeded. I got my friends together. We wrote some songs. We just started making records and we never stopped. I mean, we, we, you know, sure, it takes us two or three years to put out a fucking record. But, um, you know, we got to work. Absolutely. (laughs) We can't just sit here, put out a record and do a tour and not make any money and then wonder why we did that and then go back to work and... Oh, we're we're gonna we've got some new shit. So, oh, great, we're gonna do it again. You know, and you know, life gets in the way sometimes. It does, and, and that in that in that life getting in the way is what you need in order to recharge your uh, your uh, you know your muse. Absolutely. Yeah, man. And I'll tell you, I I, really, I, I saw. You know, I'm a big. I was a big wrestling fan back then. I remember that song you guys did, The Undertaker, and that was fucking cool. Yeah, the original uh, the original lyric uh, about the Undertaker was, um, "I'm not a wrestling fan whatsoever. I could give a shit." Uh, sorry if I'm no, bump, stepping on. I was a wrestling on, fan. I don't. I can't handle you, it anymore, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, there, and there's a lot, there's a lot of my friends who are wrestling fans. So you know, and they think that I might be a wrestling fan because of the Undertaker and and. Uh, you know, when they finally break down and ask me or, or, or re- 
read the right interview, uh, they, they realized that, oh, he's not a wrestling fan at all. So I saved face. I wrote the lyric Undertaker. I, I, uh, I wrote it about this bad motherfucker who goes out and digs up graves. I'm this close to saying he's a necrophiliac, you know? Right on. So he's this bad motherfucker that hangs around in the graveyard, you know, and he's the spook in the graveyard, you know, he's the ghouly, scary guy. He's the boogeyman. I was writing a song about the fucking boogeyman. So here I have the song called the Undertaker. That's about the boogeyman living in the graveyard. He's the caretaker. And then I realize I'm in the studio about to cut the track. And I realize I'm like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I felt so puny and small and stupid because I knew who the wrestler was. I, I heard of the undertaker before. So I rapidly changed like only three lines and maybe a word here and there to make it be just for a moment here and there about the wrestler. Okay. So I can, so I can save face because if I wouldn't have done that, uh, everyone would have still said, people would have thought, Oh, you wrote a song about the wrestler before they even hear the fucking song. They're going to see the fucking title and go, Oh, you wrote a song about the wrestler. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck you. It's not about the wrestler. Fucking that sucks. You know, instead of all of that, I just let it go and let it be about the wrestler because you know, you can't change people's minds. Right. So originally it wasn't about the wrestler. You didn't intend it to be no. about the wrestler. Okay. No, I just made it. I made in in a in a flash. I made it be about the wrestler, so I could save face and not have to uh, eat crow. Well, I wouldn't have gave a shit if it was about him or not. I just I just assumed it was, you know, just like everybody else. Well, well, everyone you would have whether I would have done it or you know fixed the lyrics or not, you everyone would have assumed it. That's that was my point. So so me knowing they were going to assume that, I made it be about the wrestler. Well, the song kicks ass. Even though, even though originally it's not. Thank you. I, yeah, that's, there's rarely been, maybe in, in 20 years, there's rarely been a Broken Teeth show where we didn't play that song. And that's pretty cool. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, this is, uh, it's probably not cool that I do this, but it's like, you know, Metallica playing a gig and not playing Seek and Destroy, you know? Right, right. I get you. It's rare. Yeah. God damn it. But, uh, you know, the newer Broken Teeth shit is, uh, is probably my favorite. And I'm not necessarily saying that because it's newer. Um, but I think it's just as strong. And, um, but, you know, it's, it's just harder to get, get people into it, you know, for whatever reason. Well, that's their loss. Uh, that's the way I look I at agree. it. I so. agree. They're, they're waiting for, they, they want to be spoon fed. You know, they want to follow a trend. They don't know that they follow trends, you know. No, I know that, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, I'm a, I'm a rock and roll fan. I'm a metal fan, dude. I, I look for the stuff. I mean, it doesn't have to be right in front of my face to find it. I will find it. And I, Yeah, know. it's usually the, the stuff you like is going to usually bubble up to the top, you know. And I think that if you if you find a band and a sound that you like, surely you're going to look further than just the one record you found. Absolutely. Oh, what's their new shit like? Oh, what's their old shit like? Right. I mean, I, I did that with every band that I fell in love with. I went forward, I went backward, I figured it out, you know. And then I realized, you know, that there was certain eras that, that I was going to adhere to and always 
feel like this era they're speaking my language and then something happened and then this era is not really speaking to me oh. it's like van hagar was not really speaking to me okay and i love sammy hagar but van halen with hagar and it wasn't really my cup you know i liked it a little dirtier and more a little bit more i need more devil you know I get it, you know, and, I, and I'm yeah. kind. I'm kind of with you. I mean, I like both versions of the band. I mean, they both sure. they both have their purpose on this earth, man. And it's like, well, of course. I mean, Sammy, you know, talk about a band full of excellent songwriters. Oh, I mean, uh, they sold more records with Sammy in the band than they did with Roth in the band, and I know that's hard to understand. Yeah, but it's true. It is true. Yeah. Um, well, so speaking of Van Halen, man. Uh, how did it, I mean, obviously Eddie's death affected us all in a huge way. How, how would you, uh, collaborate on that? Um, I think that, uh, getting old and you know, you, when you're, when you're someone's hero, you're not worried about, I have to stay alive. I'm someone's hero, you know? Uh, when you're fighting cancer just sucks cancer kills my friends absolutely cancer kills my heroes um you know this year has been terrible for heroes um absolutely you know in every in every year i mean a lot of my heroes are 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 gone now and I don't, I don't want Elton John to ever die. I don't want uh, Steven Tyler to ever die. I don't want Brian Johnson to ever die. I don't want. There's all these old as fuck dudes that are in their seventies and shit that I don't want them to die. I hundred percent understand what you're saying, dude. I, and I get it, man. And it, you know, and I, I've always been a a Van Halen fan and I and I always understood what Eddie meant to a lot of musicians but it never really hit me until I heard the news and then it affected me a whole lot different than I thought it would I was like I was super sad dude I was like Eddie Van Halen just died and it took me a while to process that yeah it, it's um it's uh it's it's affecting a lot of people faster uh, than it is affecting them slower um, because of the you know the the crazy like feverish posting that's that happened like in the first day or two that he that the news hit right <clears throat> and um, and you know the COVID thing is is you know just killing music already I mean it wasn't like um, you know people were are, are upset because they're they're not going to see Eddie Van Halen play live on stage again. They're upset because they're never, they're, you know, they're never going to see Eddie Van Halen, uh, on Saturday night live again. Right. They're not going to see Eddie Van Halen do anything anymore. Yeah. We were cheated out of a lot of music this year, man. And, uh, you know, and I was very fortunate, you know, last summer before all this shit started, not even last summer, last fall, I got to see one of my heroes, John Prime, playing. We lost him this year, and that was another thing. That yeah, was just killer to me, dude. Yeah, well, it's it's not it's not over. You I, know, it, I mean, it's not over. You're I right. mean, it's I, I, 
people die and there's not really any way to do that. So, you know, I think that, um, obviously Eddie Van Halen is, is immortal, uh, by way of, uh, what he did for the world. Um, as well as his band. I mean, Van Halen is, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't really have to elaborate on that. You don't No, Absolutely. Uh, Ronnie James Dio, uh, you could say the same thing. Lemmy from Motorhead, you can say the same thing. There are a lot of, uh, heroes that are not here in a physical sense any longer. And Eddie Van Halen is, is one of those guys that's like, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I don't, I never, you know, I, I didn't ever think about, you know, oh, I wish Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin, and you know, I wish they were alive, so I just in case I get to meet them someday, you know, it's like that's selfish, right? Right. But on the other hand, I think of it like this. I think of it like, uh, well, they're they're alive because I never knew them in a physical sense. I only knew them in a metaphysical sense. So when you look at everything like that nothing dies. And I think that when you're thinking about great songs and great musicianship, thank God there is recordings and memories of concerts and videos. And, and, uh, you know, I guess I'm saying, thank God for YouTube. (laughs) That's what I'm fucking saying. Absolutely, man. I think I, I thank God for YouTube every day. I mean, I've, I've discovered shit that I never knew existed because of YouTube. Yeah, it's kind of important to uh, art culture right now. And people aren't even thinking about it. They're thinking about it as a monetary sense, because it is. It's all ads. It's all, you know, YouTubers, uh, uh, you know, these, <clears throat> these people who make videos of themselves, you know, wanking off on video games, and kids watch it and give them money to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. So when there's that, uh, yeah, YouTube is like kind of like, it's a genesis and it's also going to be our uh, demise. <laughs> I have a feeling uh, because it's going to replace, it's quickly, it's already replaced live music because people are, you know, they're streaming everything. Right, and then when if they stream it on Facebook Live or all these other platforms, then it's on iTunes, then it's on YouTube, then it's forever, and that's just another way that everybody's be- becoming immortal if they're already an I- icon or an underground, you know, YouTube sensation, all the way back up to someone's hero. Right. And I, and I get that, man. The, the only reason I even appreciate YouTube at all is because it has helped me discover things that I may not have discovered. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, no, and I, yeah, I'm not saying any, I'm not saying anything bad about it. No. And me neither, but yeah. I also understand where you're coming from too. I, I get it 100%, yeah. man. Yeah. One way or the other, man, something's got to give, you know, and it's, it's it's bad. Right. Well, there's nothing there's absolutely nothing going to replace a room full of uh headbangers. Oh, hell with no. A, with a with a band on stage playing loud rock and roll. There's <laughs> nothing going to ever ever replace that. Absolutely. Streaming not. Con- streaming concerts is like uh you know 
photo day at high school. Yeah. You know, next. My, dude, I haven't seen a concert because, in 10 months, and I'm losing my freaking mind. <clears throat> well, there's no, you know, there's no audience. There's, yeah. You're 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 streaming your show, and there's no one in the room. Yeah. You know, you're not feeding off of any energy other than your own. I know it. That's hard. That's hard work, you know, for well, a performer to just kind of entertain absolutely. the idea that someone's sitting there watching you in the comfort of their easy chair, and yeah. that's almost—it's almost makes me say I'm calling bullshit. It is because you can't. It, that eye-to-eye contact means a lot to performers, <clears throat> brother. I'm a performer. How can I? How can I sing about the devil into your soul, looking into your eyes, on? A streaming concert. You can't. It doesn't. It's not the same. There's, you know, you don't feel the music when you're watching a streamed show. Right. And I'm I'm a performer myself, Jason. I I sing. I I play in live bands, and it's just, yeah, things have just been not the same for a long time. It's pretty fucking weird. It's very weird, brother. <laughs> yeah. Very weird. <clears throat> very very weird. But you know, I do all these other projects. Um, and a lot of them don't, you know, don't play live anyway. So I already had sort of my, uh, my lockdown, you know, bands I was already doing before there was any kind of pandemic. I have this project that's really slowed up since the pandemic, but there's two records out. It's a band called Howling Sycamore. Have okay. you heard that? Uh, dude, I've heard of it. I don't know if I've heard any of the tracks. Yeah, it's pretty scary. So this is you. Um, this is you. Who else is in that band? Well, <clears throat> Marty Friedman, who uh, was once in in Megadeth, yeah, yeah and right he was on. in the in the early '80s. He was in a band called Hawaii. Okay, that I was a fan fan of. But anyway, he plays uh, a solo on one of the songs on the second record. Um, but he's not in the band. Uh, I just wanted to mention that so I could, you know, put some blood in the water. Right on. So, uh, yeah, uh, this this man named David Tiso, he's an Italian guitarist, uh, and he's uh, he lives in San Francisco now, uh, but he had a band in, uh, from Italy called Ifal Duas, uh, E P H A L, I believe. Uh, Duas, second word, D-U-A-T-H. Might be an E on the end. Anyway, I think they were a little bit uh, like progressive black metal, maybe. All right. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but uh, definitely progressive. They were on a bill with my band who did a reunion show, my old band before Dangerous Toys, called Watchtower. Watchtower played a festival in Amsterdam uh, in 2004 called the Headway Festival, and Ifal Duwath was on the bill. I never met this man. Funny thing is, to this day, even though I've made two full-length records on Prosthetic Records, that's the label, with this man, I still have yet to meet this man. Wow, that's interesting. How weird. Yeah, it's very, very strange. Yeah, buddy. I've I've talked to him on the phone, you know, 100,000 times, and we wrote these songs together via the internet, and I recorded all the vocals for both records here in Texas. And 
he had drummers in Germany and Italy uh, record drum tracks for him. Um, it was really a lot of uh, work. His uh, his wife wrote some lyrics. Her name is Karen Crisis, also Italian. Um, I think she has a group called Circle of Witches. And the lyrics are such a trip. And they wrote all the lyrics. I wrote all of the melodies. There were suggested, uh, you know, verse and chorus, uh, bridge, places they maybe wanted me to sing, but ultimately they let me just sing wherever I wanted, especially on the second record. Okay. Uh, the first record is self-titled. The second record is called Seven Pathways to Annihilation. And that's the record with Marty on, on a, one of the songs. All right. And the shit is a trip. It is like, listen to it with headphones on, um, it will hurt your brain for a moment, but it lights, it light, it, you, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So, so how can I get a um, hold of some it, of this? Um, it's, it's all on, uh, it's all on YouTube, my man. Okay. It's on iTunes. It's on YouTube. It's, 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 it's out there. Um, they, you know, it's for sale on Bandcamp. I think it's, um, we were let go from prosthetic uh, just before, just pre-pandemic, actually. Um, not for any real reason other than they probably just didn't have much budget. And, you what, know, and what was the just, name of that project again? Howling Sycamore. Okay, Howling Sycamore. And we can find this That's on right. YouTube. We can find it on iTunes. And, yeah, it's, and you it's, do, it's and you out do there. And you do all the vocals on this. That is correct. Awesome. Every 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 voice you hear is mine. Nice. All right on. And it is very it is very strange. No, dude, I'm I'm all um, about it's, it. It's progressive. It's uh, it, there's you know there's some balladeering moments. The lyric, if you read the lyrics while you listen to the music, it's one of those. It's very heady. It's the it's it's pretty much the opposite of everything we've pretty much been talking about as far as broken teeth and dangerous toys go. Right on. I also have a band that I just put together a three because we have three records out. Uh, it's been going on since around the time I joined Igniter, since about two thousand seven, I believe. Um, called Evil United. Okay. And Evil United has a self-titled record out. Uh, we have a second record called Honored by Fire. And then we have fairly recently on uh, David Ellison's label, EMP Label Group, which uh, the last Igniter record and the last Broken Tees record were both on, um, that, that newer Evil United record is plainly called Serpent. And you can get these, they're still available, <clears throat> but the box set is really cool. And I'm selling those myself. And okay. if you find our website, if you find the evilunited.com website, you can, you can buy our three CDs for pretty, pretty damn good price. If, uh, if you ask me and it comes in a cool box, like a box set. Evilunited.com. And, um, so, you know, between, uh, broken teeth, uh, uh, Evil United, uh, Igniter, uh, Howling Sycamore, and everything else that I've been doing, um, 
I don't know. I don't know where where else to go. I mean, I, I've got unfinished business sitting there at my desk at all times because uh, with the things me and Scott from the toys are trying to finish up to brand new broken teeth material to brand new igniter material. Um, nothing pressing on Evil United, but uh, I wrote some country songs. One of them is going to be on a new country artist who's actually a cock rock singer in Los Angeles. His name is Tyler Heath. Okay. He's originally, Tyler Heath is originally from Oklahoma, so he's got the country in him. And, uh, but you know, he's, he's, he looks like Sebastian Bach, but he's, uh, he sings and has the attitude of Jason McMaster. There, if that's I don't awesome. say so myself. No, dude, you're the man, so, brother. <laughs> he, uh, he, he made a country record and he invited me to, to, to put a song on it. And so I wrote a song called Baby Bird, which is going to be on there. I'm extremely proud of it. Uh, and it's Lonesome Cowboy all the way. It's old outlaw, lonesome cowboy shit, Willie Nelson style shit. Right on. And uh, I'm planning on writing some more songs with Tyler for another record, but uh, Tyler also covers Promise the Moon by Dangerous Toys. Yeah. He does like a little country version of that song, which is kind of, it's already kind of country anyway. Well, that's awesome. So that's both on. I I can't remember what Tyler's record is called, but it's coming out pretty soon. I think it's called "Tales of a Tenacious Tenderfoot" or right some on. shit like that. Yeah, Tyler Heath, "Tales of a Tenacious Tenderhoof." Well, well, Jason, why I got you on here, man? Is there anything else you'd like to promote? You want to throw anybody out your website? Anywhere they can find you guys on uh, social media? Hey, well, they can they can learn a lot about a lot of about a lot of anything McMaster uh, at jasonmcmaster.net. Um, if they just Google me, there is a lot of shit. I've been doing this a long fucking time, and it's not just one style, and it's not just one thing. I've got some Christmas songs on uh, iTunes and CD Baby. Just under my name, Jason McMaster, and uh, they're they're legit Christmas songs. They're not, you know, heavy metal Christmas or twisted Christmas or fuck Christmas or you know, <laughs> balls deep in Christmas. It's you or singing anything real like that. Christmas songs, brother. Yeah, one of them's kind of like a Harry Connick Jr. thing, and one of them is kind of like uh, has banjo and shit on it. Oh, kind nice. of like folky kind of a little thing and that one's called uh christmas time and then the 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 latest one that which is you know still a few years old now but i've got another one i'm working on before i'm dead i hope to release a full christmas album of christmas songs that i've written but it's not on my uh short list it's on my long list uh the the later one that's kind of jazzy is called it's called Merry Christmas Everybody. Okay. Yeah. 
Right on, brother. And tis the season, you know, I don't write Halloween music. Well, yeah, I guess you could say I do with uh, Igniter and Evil United because the shit's in Howling Sycamore, too. It's shit's scary. That, you know, what else is scary, man, when you guys had a song on the Shocker soundtrack called Demon Bell? Yeah, see, that's another. That's that's a good one too. Very that's a fitting to the great. Song, yeah, that dude. that that song used to be called Dangerous Toys. That's one of the coolest fucking soundtracks around. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's some big hitters on there. I think that that was just you know somebody in like Alice Cooper's office just made some calls and called the publishing company, and the publishing company just rallied the troops, and they got. They got Megadeth and Motley Crue and Kiss and and Dangerous Toys oh, and yeah. Iggy Pop is on there and it's you know that's a it's a great it's satisfactory. It's a cult classic movie too. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So yeah, I was going to ask you too. So somebody had asked me the a buddy of mine asked me his name's Jason Ian Petty. He had a question for it. He wanted to know where the song scared came from. I was, you know, that was one of the two or three records that was actually written for the first album. Um, like, I don't think we had that song till after we were signed shortly after we were signed. So it was something like it was quick. We had to, we had to come up with another single. Is that one of those things? No, 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 there was no pressure. It was just Scott had a riff and I had a lyric written down and, and the lyrics kind of come from, uh, me just on a heavy Alice Cooper bender. And I was listening to all kinds of Alice Cooper old and, not so much new at the time and shit that would have been 88, you know? So it was a lot of terror in my opinion. Sorry, Alice, but there was a lot of terrible Alice songs. going. And then it got worse. I mean, by the time we were on tour with them, that Hey Stupid record, I was just like, Oh my God, this is not the Alice that I love. The Alice I love is singing about dead babies and scary shit, you know, and talking about teen angst and, you know, I love Generation Landslide and, and uh, you know, all the creepy shit. Right. Because um, uh, he did mention he thought there was a lot of Alice Cooper references in that song. Well, there are, there are all, like, almost everything in there is a reference. Okay. The first line is, who's the man in the white vest? Well, that's Alice Cooper in a in a in a white vest. It could be, like, when he comes out and sings Elected and he's wearing that white you know, that white tuxedo. Uh, it's also his straight jacket, who is the man in the white vest. Well, that's a straight jacket. Right, right. See? So there's all the, it, immediately, it's Alice Cooper. As soon as I open my eyes in that song, it's Alice Cooper. Um, I'm talking about how interesting it is that in horror shows or, you know, when you see you know, fire or, you know, uh, uh, you know, a scary movie or, or just anything suggested that's, uh, you know, causing, causing some kind of discomfort for someone, you know, people like to watch the, the car wreck and the train wreck. People rubberneck, they slow down. They want to see that gore, you know? Now, 
it's it's much more fun when you know it's not real, but there's something still that happens. Your heart races. And I think that there's something about that. So I that's how the idea of the chorus came about. You know, I think I like being scared. You know, I want to I want to I want to see these things happen more often. You know, what I mean, because it makes me it makes my heart race. I think I like this. You know, right now it sounds like it sounds like words for, of a serial killer or some shit. But I I will uh, comfort you all and say. I've never been arrested. I am not. Uh, I teach kids. People leave their seven-year-olds with me all the time. So, you know, I'm a music teacher. I am not a freak. But I love horror shows. I love scary things. I love Alice Cooper. Mic drop. Right. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I think that there is uh, something crazy about um, the human psyche and, you know, blood and gore and just, you know, I love campy, weird, uh, you know, scary movies, but I'm also a crier, you know, I'll watch some, you know, I hate calling them chick flicks, but I'll watch some drama, you know, a love story or something, just cry like a baby. I just love art. Absolutely. And, uh, I guess I'm a sensitive guy. Ah. But, you know, there was something about, there was something about, uh, you know, Alice, and the songs that, uh, you know, that I was listening to that were making me write these words down. I'm not saying I was possessed by the coop, uh, but something was happening. Right. And, it, you know, next thing I knew, I had these verses, and then I, I was just kind of missing a chorus. And it just kind of dawned on me that, well, you know, I kind of like being scared. I, I, I think that this, you know, this, the idea just hit me. And so I just started singing those words before I had even written them down. Right. Hey, man, I think I like being, I just started singing them. Great. Then something interesting happened. The record was out. I was out on the road. Hit Parader magazine had that Raider record part of the magazine where there would be another band that there, you know, not you wouldn't rate your own record. They would, you know, they would, you know, send you a CD. They would send a band that, you know, a couple of CDs and like, you know, hey, let's get other bands to review other bands, right? And then they record the interview with, with the, you know, you know, so, hey, we sent you Dangerous Toys. What would you think? And they were like, they're listening to Scare. This is called Scare. Okay, let's listen to it. So it was the band Fifth Angel. Do you remember Fifth oh, Angel? Oh, yeah, I remember Fifth Angel. Okay. Okay, so I don't I don't know a whole lot about them. I think I heard a song or two, you know, at back back in the day, and I didn't remember, I, I don't remember them being too bad at all. I remember them being pretty good. Yeah, they were good bands. But anyway, so. Yeah. So anyway, um, I never they never uh, bubbled up in my in my circle though. Uh, you know what I mean? I never no one. I never had a chance to search them out, right? So anyway, Fifth Angel they're 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 in Raider Record and Hip Raider Magazine, and I'm reading this shit. I'm like, holy shit, these dudes are reviewing Scared, and I'm reading it. You know what they said about it? What's that? They were like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Oh, wait a minute. This sounds like Rio from Duran Duran. What? Think about it. 
Do you know the song Rio by Duran Duran? I know. I know the name Rio. Yeah, I know the song. Do you know Do you know the song Rio by yeah. Duran Duran? Yeah, I know the song. But I Her name is Rio, and she oh, dances on shit. the sand. Not, not, not until you just... Just like that river is yep. to a dusty land. Wow. And then I think hey, man, I like I being think scared. I like oh, being shit. scared, and I wish you all were there. I hear it now. Her name is Rio. I hear it and now. I was like... I was like, God damn it, they're right. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was intentional. Well, uh, I did, you know, sometimes you don't realize that you stole something. Here's the deal. It's in a different key. It is not exactly the same. Um, and it never hurt anybody. And uh, I love Duran Duran. And that made sense to me when I read that. And I didn't get mad about it and obviously Duran Duran didn't get mad about it and no one thought it was uh, it wasn't a direct hit but I like it that uh, that that those dudes pointed that out because I think it's funny as hell it, it, it kind of is now that you think about it but I mean they didn't play a killer guitar solo like you guys did so. no no they they had synthesizers and a wicked bass player they did but I'm a metalhead. Well, listen. And I, yeah. And well, all... well, listen. I could talk. I could talk all night. Um, but uh, is there something you wanted to to get get me a final words, brother? You, you any, anything you want to talk about? I'm open to. Otherwise, we can shut her down. I I mean, you've answered most of my questions, and I appreciate it. And uh... no, man, it was it was a pleasure, and. Um, you know, it's it's nice to it's it's nice to to be uh, invited to uh, talk about uh, just my life and my career and uh, and my music and um, you know just being able to know uh, that you know I've emotionally I've I've caused an emotional disturbance with a lot of people makes me very happy because that's what music is supposed to do. Well, you've also and got me in a lot of, almost, almost got me in a lot of car accidents with that first album, just so you know. Oh, you're going to blame your, your bad driving on me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Jason, you know I'm bullshitting you, but yeah. That, no, I know that. But you know, uh, it, it gets very distracting when you got good stuff on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no one wants to hear but hear this, but I just I don't listen to music while I drive. It's very fucking weird. It's very distracting. That. Well, yeah, I just don't I don't I don't listen to it. Uh, sometimes you know, I'll back backpedal a little bit sometimes. You know, because I have a lot of like CDs, like hard to find ones and stuff, and I go, man, I really want. Do I still have them? I'll go dig it out and I'll find some shit. And I'll go put that on, you know, and that will make sense. That makes sense to me. Like, if I'm listening to something, it's something that really is close to me, and it's something that I have to search out to listen to. You know, I, I make it a ritual, you know. I don't listen to the radio, you know. I, um, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm, you know, oh, man, do I have that? Go find it. I'll make a ritual out of it, so. You know, I, I'm, I still have vinyl. I listen to vinyl. 
Um, but you know, when you got a song in your head all the time, when you, when the voices are in your head all all the time, you don't need a radio. Right. Like I could, I could probably be on a deserted island without music and be fine because I got it all. It's it's all in my head anyway. Absolutely. Well, goddamn, Jason, I really appreciate your time tonight, brother. Man, it means a lot. No, man, my pleasure. I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm glad that we got to talk, and uh, I want you to. If there's one thing I need you to do, it's just really, really enjoy. Uh, enjoy your weekend and be safe. You too, brother, man. Appreciate you, dude. You're one of my favorite vocalists of all time. And, uh, and I'll be sure to, you know, to put all the links on this interview and make sure that people know where to find you. Awesome. Thanks for that. All right, Jason, you take care of yourself, man. Good talking to you. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That concludes today's episode of the Metal Bob Live podcast. Please check our website for our sponsor links. Thank you for listening. Metal Bob out.